Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So today I have a special guest with me, and we're going to be talking about navigating microaggressions in the workplace. And you may be wondering, what is a microaggression? That's a good question. And that's why I'm having Dr. Holly Sawyer come on, and she is going to talk to us about how to navigate those microaggressions in the workplace. And you probably have experienced them, and maybe you haven't realized that's what they were. And so we're going to be talking about that. If you're struggling with somebody at work, maybe a manager or a coworker, this is going to be an episode for you. So listen up. All right. So we're going to be talking about navigating microaggressions in the workplace with Dr. Holly Sawyer. Coming up. Or things we cannot change. It's over. The past we can erase. But oh, it's gonna be okay. Just know that better days. Welcome to the Mental Health Today show. My name is John Cordray, and I am a licensed therapist, and I'm the host of the show. And I am so glad that you're here tuning in. Appreciate wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to introduce to you my special guest today. So let me just talk to you about her bio here. It's quite a lot. There's a lot here because she has done a lot. So bear with me. So Dr. Holly Sawyer is the director of the Masters in Addiction and Counseling Program and assistant clinical professor in the Department of Counseling and Family Therapy at Drexel University. Prior to her employment at Drexel, Dr. Holly was a clinical director at an intensive outpatient treatment facility and clinical supervisor at a methadone clinic. For 19 years, she has been teaching in the areas from K through 12, adult basic education and higher education. She is a private practice practitioner in Pennsylvania, where she helps professional black women navigate microaggressions in the workplace by helping them find their inner power through assertiveness without using substances to cope. I love that. She is a licensed professional counselor, a national certified counselor, certified advanced alcohol and drug counselor, a qualified substance abuse professional, and a certified board-endorsed clinical supervisor. See, I told you she has a lot of credentials. She is a private practitioner at Life First Therapy, where she helps professional black women navigate the microaggressions in the workplace uh, in helping them find their inner power. She also owns an online group practice, Therapy Loft Collective. She is a national mental health public speaker that has been a panelist and conference presenter for the National Association for Alcoholism and drug abuse counselors. That is a lot. That is a big bio. Dr. Holly Sower, thank you for coming on the show and welcome. Hey, John, thank you for having me. You can call me Dr. Holly. Oh, um, great. Hi, Dr. Holly. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of my friends and colleagues and my students call me such, so that's what I go by. I am so Happy to be a part of the Mental Health Today show. Thank you for having me, John. Oh, you're welcome. I, I've been looking forward to this. 
And it's something that I think it's so needed. We need to talk about this. And who better to talk about it than you? I mean, this is what you do, right? Yes. And, and so uh, uh, before we get to that, though, I want to know a little bit about Dr. Holly. Sure. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you. So outside of the, all the professional stuff, right, I am a wife. I'm a mother of two teenage children. My son is 15. My daughter is 13. I'm also an author. And I love good food. Mm-hmm. So those are like some personal things about my stuff. I love good food. I'm living in Philadelphia and I am just enjoying life. Oh, that's awesome. So I have to ask. What are some, what's what's some good food that you love? Okay. So in Philadelphia, they're known for their cheesesteaks, of course. However, right. However, I being originally from Chicago, I am big on like all of those foods, like the deep dishes, um, Garrett's popcorn. Mm -hmm. So I love like the home-based foods, but here in Philly, I'm always like trying like different foods. So here, one of my favorite foods are the Korean wings and they come either spicy or garlic based wing, garlic sauce, and they're lightly fried and that the skin is so crispy, but they're so delicious. Oh my gosh, they're so good. All right. Now I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds really good. I love, so my wife and I, we're, we live in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. And there's a lot of good restaurants here and we love food too. And so we like to try new places and uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. And that's just so fun to learn the different types of food that are out there and just enjoy it. That's part of my (laughs) self-care. Yes, yes, yes. Well, excellent. Well, we could be talking a lot about food, but that's not (laughs) what this episode's about. So we want to get back into uh, microaggressions. And I mentioned this at the very beginning and some people, I'm sure people have heard about the term microaggressions, but maybe not really know exactly what it is. Can we just start there and and tell us a little bit about what is a microaggression? So before we define microaggression, there is a microaggression and a macroaggression. So if you don't mind, I would like to define both. Please do. So a microaggression can be verbal behavior and environmental indignities that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative racial slights and insults to the target person or group. I'll repeat that. It's a verbal behavior, environmental indignities that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative racial slights and insults to the target person or group. And then on the flip side of that, we have something called a macroaggression. And so the micro and, and microaggression refers to person interactions. However, the macro refers to systemic racism, which includes social structures and institutions. Oh, that's a great definition. Thank you. So I, I appreciate you bringing that out. And so would you say, Dr. Holly, that a lot of people are probably fairly familiar with the macro aggressions. But what about the micro? Do you think most people are familiar with a microaggression is? So I think it depends on a person in a situation. So we know about systemic racism, right, across institutions, but a lot of times we don't label it as a a macro aggression, Mm -hmm. but we are familiar with that type of racism. 
And then microaggressions, because a lot of people may experience them, I think they may be familiar. And then there are persons who experience it, but don't know like mm. what it's actually called. They don't know how to put a word to that experience. Yeah. So let's say somebody is at work and they, they feel bad. Somebody said something to them or about them and they feel bad, but they don't know exactly why. So what would that be like? What would it be like? Uh, give an example, if you will, of a microaggression at work. Okay. So an example of a microaggression, first of all, there's, there are three types. So you have a micro assault, a micro insult, and then a micro invalidation. So if a person who is spouting a microaggression in the form of a micro assault, this perfect this person is purposely behaving or speaking in a racist way or uses racist symbols right and then if a person is um spouting out a micro insult this is a verbal or nonverbal behavior that demeans a person's race and expresses rudeness and insensitivity and then if there's a micro invalidation, this will come in a form of communication that attempts to negate, exclude, or ignore a person based on his or her race. And when we look at some examples, I can share with you, I had a colleague who basically was at work and her white colleagues, they left a black doll that was mm. painted. It was an originally a white doll that mm. was painted and it had a noose around the doll's neck. And so those are those are some examples of them purposefully, right, behaving in a racist way and they used a racist symbol. Mm. And this offended the young lady. She was definitely traumatized, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is a problem. And so when someone spouts out a micro Assault, they may dismiss it or, or they don't think that it's a thing. They might brush it off as a joke, right? Mm -hmm. And just claim that it's harmless, but it's not harmless to the person who's actually experiencing that. Another example could be where you're not acknowledging the contributions of a Black coworker who attempts to sharing an idea. However, if someone who is white, for example, takes their idea, not giving them credit, then that is also a form of a micro insult where you're not acknowledging mm. a black colleague or taking their ideas and passing them off on your own. So those are some examples of some micro assaults. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I, th those are pretty, pretty big ones. Are kinder, is there such a thing as more um, subtle microaggressions? Yes. There are, and I'm glad you asked about that. So when we look at micro insults, sometimes people can be aware or unaware of their racism, right? Because they have made grown be, how can I say it? May have grown up in such a homogeneous society or neighborhood that they have not been outside to work with other ethnicities and or rape or races, right? So they're just not aware that what they're saying and or doing is considered a microaggression or micro insult or racism, right? So for example, they may ask a black coworker how he or she was able to get their job. Mm -hmm. They are genuinely asking because they want to know. However, it's coming off as an insult to say that black person didn't 
earn their way to being a doctor, being a lawyer, right? Because mm-hmm. where they come from, it's the only persons that look like them mm-hmm. who get these type of positions, right? And so it's implying that your Black coworker didn't earn the job on their own merits. And okay. so again, microaggression can be in the form of a micro insult. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So you specifically work with women and help them to navigate the microaggressions that they've experienced. Can you tell us a little bit of how some of these women, without going into detail, of course, but how some of these women are have been coping and how it's been affecting them? Uh, so a lot of them, believe it or not, have um, poor coping mechanism um, skills. And what I mean by poor is that they have may increase their intake with wine, right? So now it may become a dependency because they have not been able to identify healthy ways to cope. And so where I come into is to help them identify healthy ways to cope. One thing that we target is what do you want out of this? So some persons, they want to move to a different department. Some women say, hey, I wanted to just, I wanted to stop, but I also want to have some type of retribution. I have gone to court, been an expert witness. Some persons, they want to leave the job altogether, right? So it really just depends on what they're looking for and what they want. So once we identify that, we work through what they can do in the between time because they still have to show up in that space, right? Mm -hmm. I always tell my colleagues, my clients rather, to document, document. Was a therapist, if it's not documented, it didn't happen, right? right? Exactly. Exactly. And so a lot of times um, my clients may feel invalidated or like it's in their head. And so they just will dismiss it and they won't document it. And so my thing is you have to document it because if you're submitting a case, whether it's to the EEOC or HR or even in, in court, you have to have record that this thing or experiences or events have actually happened. So, okay. So that's great. So you kind of encourage them. There's a healthier way to cope, not just turn to self-medication basically. Yes, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And and then to teach them, equip them with the tools like documenting. Yes. Documenting, identifying what it is that you want from this situation. Do you want to stay? Do you want to go and work in a different department? And if you want to stay, what does that look like for you? Like, I need to know your demands. I need to know your wants besides you wanting it to stop. Because to be honest, the behavior may not stop. I've had it where people will go and report to HR. They send a documentation and HR has not supported them. Mm -hmm. So what is our recourse? However, self-medicating is never the answer. Right. Exactly. So, all right. If you could talk to the leadership of a company and maybe this company is wanting to implement some policy, what would be some... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Job or career input as they are making their policy, what would be some tips that you would provide 
the leadership if that's something they wanted to do? Excellent question. So the first thing I tell CEOs or anyone in a workplace who has the power over the policies is one, create an open culture. A culture of fear and ignoring the problem is what makes for a hostile environment. And if you create an open culture where employees are encouraged to communicate and offer feedback, you'll have a better chance of stopping microaggressions and preventing unlawful harassment. Another thing I say is that you have to call out microaggressions. So tell the person who is exhibiting microaggressions that it's not acceptable. So if someone said a microaggression to me and then another coworker witnessed that, then that they should support, right, by calling out the person who exhibited or said that microaggression. In the policies, they should offer training specifically on microaggressions, right? Explain the different types with examples and teaching employees how to communicate with respect. They should strictly enforce an anti-racism policy in the workplace where they don't tolerate it and that people who do this, they are reprimanded in some type of way. And the general rule of thumb is if you think your behavior might be racist, it probably was, right? So we want to watch out for that. We also want to model the behavior that we want from the person or people that we are confronting or addressing who is spouting out the microaggressions. So if our culture supports racism, microaggressions, then you're going to have a culture of people who think that's normal. And so they're going to model that behavior. So we have to reverse it, right? We have to focus on the event and not the person. So when you do maybe confront the person who spouted the microaggression, you want to have a conversation that focused on the behavior, the event, or the comment, so they won't become defensive and shut down. And as a therapist, you want to avoid using I statements, right? Because again, that can leave people feeling defensive and blamed, but instead use I statements and how this microaggression that they may have spouted has impacted the work culture, the environment. And then you might want to ask them, are there some other concerns, right? But again, encouraging feedback and encouraging people to speak up, especially when they're experiencing microaggressions in the workplace, and that it won't be met with some type of um, retaliation, because that's huge. It is huge. And I appreciate you mentioning that. And it is a culture of, we want to create, companies need to create a a culture of safety, emotional safety. And if your employees don't feel safe, then it's not a safe place to work. And so implementing this as a part of your policy is so, so important. So you you mentioned a little bit ago, speaking of culture, not company culture, but culture where we grow up. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering if there's people maybe listening to this and maybe they're, they're thinking, well, oh boy, they're reflecting back on how they say things or maybe they have done some microaggressions. What would be something that you could say to the people that maybe have now that are realizing what a microaggression is that, oh, wow, I think I've done this. What would you say to them who are listening? So one thing is we want to learn from something that we had no idea, right? When you have the knowledge, then you then can do different. So if you didn't know about it before, can nobody blame you for something you didn't know? There are people literally who live in America who've never left outside of their rural town and interacted with Black people. It it just is. I would think about North Dakota. I would think about, again, the heartland of our country, right? And so in this episode, I want listeners, like you said, who have maybe done it but not aware to have an acronym in their mind, and it's called LAVA. 
L-A-V-A-A. So the L stands for listen. Listen to the person's concern and do your best to understand the impact you had on them. A, you want to acknowledge, right? Verbally acknowledge their feelings and how you understand the negative impact it created, meaning the microaggression, what you said, what you did, right? And then you want to validate. So you can't say something was the joke and, and come across as making light of someone else's pain. And by saying you didn't mean it, you can come across as trying to invalidate the other person's experience. So again, you want to validate. And then A, avoid. Don't get defensive or play devil's advocate when your Black colleague chooses to share their insights and avoid saying you didn't mean it or you were just making a joke, right? Because you're avoiding, again, what you actually did and, again, validating their experiences. And lastly, awareness. Become aware of your own biases, racism, your own upbringing, and just start confronting those beliefs. You don't have to do them out in the open. You don't have to do them on social media because it's your personal journey alone. And when you confront your issues, you can truly understand what others are experiencing. So I love the fact that you used an acronym, LAVA. <laughs> I love it. It's easy. It's easy to remember. Now, can you repeat the acronym again? Sure. LAVA. Listen, acknowledge, validate, avoid awareness. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I, this is something that I think is very important for those of us who who need to learn more, who need to practice this more. And it's not really an excuse anymore, is it, Dr. Holly? No, it's no, it's not. I think that if people are really interested in learning about microaggressions or things that they can do different and how they're perceived or have been experienced from other persons in the workplace, even in a college setting, as a student, as an educator, because microaggressions are not just privy to the workplace, then I think you have to really take a deep look. Well, uh, that's exactly right. And something we, we haven't really talked about yet is what if you're at work and it's not a coworker that's exhibiting the microaggression, but maybe it's a manager or mm. someone in leadership and maybe it's not directed exactly at them, but it is definitely a microaggression. Then what do you do? Well, I'll say that whether a person is a peer, a colleague, or have the title of manager or supervisor, that doesn't matter. You still have to go about the situation as the same. I think what's more concerning is if you work in an environment or you are in a learning environment where retaliation can happen. I've had um, colleagues who are earning their doctorate and they have had racist professors, and they were afraid to report them because they felt like their grade was Mm. in the power of the professor. Mm. And so the professor ended up having another event with another person, and it was actually recorded. So it was proof that this person, this professor, was spotting out microaggressions and being racist towards her Black PhD students. And so I just encourage persons like, You have to be brave, right? Because if we keep retaliation in mind, then you are allowing the behavior or you're part of allowing the behavior to continue. Somebody has to speak up. And then, yes, in the face of fear, 
because that's, yes. that's where we start. If you have someone that has demonstrated microaggression against you, it, it, there might be some fear there. Boy, if I speak up, if I say something, it might make it worse. And so the temptation is to avoid it. Yes. And when we avoid it, we're, it's, it's almost like we're enabling it. Exactly, John. Exactly. And we don't want to enable people who treat us cruel. Think about some. Think about driving a car. Somebody cut you off. Not since I was ten year old. You might honk the horn. You might not flick the bird, but you might throw him a horn, <laughs> right? So you, you just think about any instance where you may feel offended, and it may not even been on a microaggression level. You do speak up and advocate for yourself, right? And so mm-hmm. I don't think we have to look at microaggressions this any different. And I get it. If you feel like there's going to be some retaliation, once again, we're going back to documentation, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel like this is my livelihood. Oh my gosh, if they retaliate, I lose my job. I have a family. However, I always say like, how good will you be if you're constantly stressed, you're losing weight, you're anxious, you're depressed, you're not eating very well. It shows up somatically, right? And how good of an employee are you really going to be? Exactly. And if you feel unsafe yes. as well, you're not going to be productive. No, you're not. A lot of absenteeism happens, right? You show up, but you're not fully there. You don't feel safe. You're somewhat paranoid as into when this thing may happen again to you, right? You're like on eggshells, if you will. I've seen a gambit of things that happen. So mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah. sure you have. This is what you do. This, you help yeah. professional women navigate through this. And I, it's interesting that you specifically say that you want to help them avoid substances to cope. Do you see that often? That if they feel like there's no hope of correcting it or getting help, that maybe turning to a substance is where they go to self-medicate? Yes. So drinking very heavy. And if they're not a drinker, then they turn into workaholics. If they don't turn into workaholics, then that behavior shows up into overspending with shopping. But they find some way to cope, either it's through a substance, alcohol, and or a behavior that they've just upticked because it gives them, again, a self-medication to up the way to avoid the actual event of what's going on. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And so you help them learn to cope with that and to navigate that, those emotions. And I'm sure the emotions are very powerful. So I appreciate the service that you do and and what you're doing and your calling to help with this. And so I, and I'm looking at our time here, we're running out of time, but I really appreciate, we, we talked about what to do if you're experiencing microaggressions. We talked about as leadership, how can you work work in your policies to include microaggressions? We talked about those who maybe are the persons um, giving the microaggressions. So we covered a lot of ground here. And I, I just want to ask if there's one more thing that you could leave my audience that's related to microaggressions. I would just say that it's not in your head. And believe it or not, there are more people who experience it than you may know, but they may also be afraid to talk about it because they don't feel supported. But you have to have some level of courage to advocate for yourself. I love that. 
That's right. Advocate. Uh, so important. Well, I have one last question I wanted to ask you, and it does not have anything to do with microaggressions, but it has to do with self-care. And it's something that I talk a lot about, self-care. I try to do as much as I can with that. I'm curious to know, Dr. Holly, what are some things that you do for your own self-care? Stand-up comedy. Improv. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) All right. Do you have a joke for us? No, I actually don't. I That's not how it works. At least not for me anyway. <laughs> but I believe self-care is something that is totally out the box. That's going to rejuvenate and recharge you. That's not connected to anything professionally, what you do. A lot of times people say, oh, I went to get a haircut. I went and got my hair done. I got pedicure, manicure. But I think those are self-maintenance things mm-hmm. and not necessarily self-care. And so they still find themselves burnt out, drained, not recharged or rejuvenated. And for me, comedy just shifts me into a whole nother world. And so does improv. And so that's what I've been doing lately for, for self-care. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. That and eating good food. (laughs) So that's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate that. And I wanted to wish you all the success at, at Drexel University. Thank you so much for coming on. And I want to thank all of you for listening and tuning in to the Mental Health Today show. I appreciate, again, you working on you and your mental health. And if this has been uh, helpful for you with microaggressions, let us know. And you can go to the website at mentalhealthtodayshow.com. Again, that's mentalhealthtodayshow.com. Thank you so much and appreciate you tuning in. Continue to work on your mental health. And remember that the Mental Health Today Show has been championing your mental health since 2015. Take care, my friends. Bye-bye.